Hello, 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 and welcome back to With Love and Butter, a chef's podcast on dating and relationships and all the food and drinks that get us through it. I'm your host, Courtney Futch, chef, baker, mixologist, cookbook author, culinary producer, former corporate marketing baddie, and most recently, serial monogamist turned roster dater for the last year and a half. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the function of my close friends on Instagram and the huge role that they've played in the hashtag Courting Courtney Journey, how they held digital and in real life space for me to process, and the romance of having a platonic community. Now, if you're watching this online, then you see that I am wearing, uh, you know, florals. And that is because today we are giving my girls and my two best guy friends their flowers. Having good people in your life, it is a privilege, and I'm so excited to get into today's episode. So before we get started, let's go ahead and give the girls a What's Shaking segment. This is episode five now. Y'all already know how we get down. Okay, gotta have a little sippy sip. So today's beverage is this really beautiful, like, look at this pink. Look at the pink. Do you see it? Come on, no crying at the bank. Uh, We have a strawberry and basil gin-based cocktail with a little float of champagne and finished off with a little bit of black pepper. So it's a riff on one of my most commonly made cocktails for a girl's night in. The base is frozen strawberries muddled with basil and it's brightened with lemon and made a little sparkly with champagne. The black pepper adds a little bit of spice and it tastes like summer and silk pajamas and the sort of tipsy that makes you belly laugh. This cocktail tastes for me like the first time I understood that there is a place for romance in friendships too and how sweet it could be. This cocktail is a love letter back to the women and my two best guy friends who have loved me best. Cheers to my ladies and Benny and Moses. Ooh, that's look Okay. Y'all, all right. <clears throat> Ooh, gotta clear my throat behind that one. See, the thing is, sometimes I make cocktails and they taste like juice. And then sometimes they do not taste like juice. And either one is great. But this is not a juice cocktail sort of day. And I just need that to be known. Woo. All right, y'all. So... Let's take a little step back. What is this podcast without some context? So let's dive into our mise en place. Now, if this is the first episode that you're joining in, I'm really not sure why you chose this particular one. There are so many others and there are like, there is so much more information that you might need in order to be able to listen to this and enjoy it. But if you are not familiar, mise en place means in French to put everything in its place. So it's a hospitality term and we're just going to be like diving in real quick um, to a little bit of background story because this colors, you know, the future events. Now, when I decided to start my dating journey of hashtag Court and Courtney in April of 2021, there was not really any infrastructure. My decision to communicate using the method of video journaling was purely happenstance. After a date with a man who I adore, who we will talk about in a later episode, whose name is Detroit, for the intents and purposes of the podcast. So the feelings that bubbled up for me were so pleasant and they needed a place to go while I was on the drive home. And at the time there were maybe, I don't know, 50 or 60 people in my close friends on Instagram internet friends and in real life friends and folks who were just kind acquaintances. It was a casual space to share updates unrelated to my professional image that I was trying so desperately to curate on my feed. The women and my close friends weighed in excitedly, rooting for me, commenting on my specific use of the word pleasant to describe my date with Detroit. 
And well, after the first update, I decided that if it wasn't too annoying or too overwhelming to share this process with them, then I would. I would give my girlies options for their levels of participation. I really didn't need very much active engagement, and I knew I would never be mad if somebody decided they didn't have the headspace to check in. It really just took some of the pressure off of me to perform for myself. And over time, Court and Courtney took on different names and different vibes, and it had to be whittled down to about 40 people. What started happening is that as I was doing the work of dating, I was primarily healing. And so the sometimes salacious stories that I shared were the least vulnerable thing in the close friends. Now, one thing about me is that I will gladly share any of my crazy, sexy, cool stories with pretty much anyone, even a stranger, like over something as casual as coffee. I have no qualms about that. I really am an open book, but it was the hysteric sort of unfunny and sometimes heavy stories that needed a place to land. And not everybody deserved to see my layers peeled back like that in real time. And so there was a thinning. And as fun as the process of courting Courtney has been, I am always reminded that I really started documenting this journey as a reference point for my healing through dating. I wanted gentle words to come back to and to have the context still be there. If you've seen any of my TikTok lives and you know that my tendency to ramble is like pew, 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 pew. And I do that all the time. That is the way that my brain works. And my tendency to forget the details is part of why I'd ended up staying in the relationships that I'd previously been in for so long. And I didn't want to lose those moments. I didn't want to lose the identifying of the red flags. I didn't want to lose, you know, any discomfort that might come up for me after a date. I wanted to be able to come back to those things because that was my idea of true accountability. And while reliving every moment of each date has not been always the most riveting, it was necessary in order to be truly accountable. I sought to take command of my romantic relationships for once and to stop letting love just to happen to me so I wouldn't be lonely like I had been even with previous partners. The thing that I've come to learn though through my friendships is that being alone was never the dark. It was the light. So to re-engage with dating and love out loud, it's been freeing. The hashtag courting Courtney is me redefining my ideas of romantic love, but in community. And I'm so thankful to the close friends. This experience has been humbling and bittersweet. We have laughed together so much more than we have cried. We shared hard truths and hella opinions. I'm softer for it somehow and healing still. I'm optimistic and this experience has validated my expectations. I feel ready to walk into love softly this time to choose it. And it is because of my girls that I feel empowered to do so. You see, my girls taught me the most about my love languages, whether platonic or romantic, there were things that they hit on that rung true for me and I think they applied regardless. The number one of them being this sort of vocal, verbal, tangible love, not in the form of handwritten notes, in voice notes, actually. And it is through these voice notes that I that I really came to have a stronger idea of what it meant one to be in community with women. So let's actually just skip right ahead to the main courts. Um, the main courts is actually going to be our longest segment today because my girls are going to be talking to you directly. I've gotten their permission to share these voice note recordings with you all because they gave me the sort of clarity that I think I would dilute if I tried to reframe it. 
I would like to disclaim in advance that of course there's going to be some unsavory language present. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast, then you already know what the vibe is, but I just want to go ahead and give you an opportunity to turn the volume down if you're around children. (laughs) You've been warned. Now, hands down, the most active participant in the close friends is my homegirl, Carice. She was an OG in the group, certainly the most vocal. And for us having actually spent the least amount of time in real life getting to know each other, she saw me the most clearly. This is important because her ability to call me out on my shit is one of the many reasons I've held her so closely. She is what every effortful person needs to grow, and I am better for her participation in my life. Let's share some of the highlights. So what you're about to hear is a voice note that makes me laugh every time I listen to it. It's really important to have homegirls in your corner who are, who are ready to ride behind you. And um, I'd gone on this really awful road trip with a man who we will call 550. And we will get into that like in a later episode. But this was the note I think that really sort of broke me and Carice's relationship in the close friends wide open about what it was that we sort of meant to each other. So I'll leave some space here and we'll take a listen. I'm just here to say, I don't like how he's talking to you like you're a fucking child. I don't like that. Um, Just so you know, if we were to ever see this nigga out on the street, I'm going to challenge him to a duel because bitch, who the fuck are you talking to? I really love the word duel. Like, I don't know what it is about it. It's like, we're going to engage in fisticuffs and like, it might take your life. Like I, there's something about it. That's just like, it's so classical and yet so badass. And like, that's my sort of vibe. Um, and it's not just those like funny moments where Carice adds levity to my life, which she always does so easily with so much grace, with so much room and, and holding space for me. But Carice is also one of those people who does keep it very real with you. And when you have somebody like that in your corner, the more vulnerable moments, your moments of self-doubt, they are more easily erased. And it was Carice who reinforced for me in the middle of my deep, deep, deep overthinking that maybe I'm not as hard to love as I think I am. I just want you to know this, and now I'm like tearing up right now, but I just want you to know this, that you are truly one of the easiest persons to love like out of everyone that i have ever loved and ever will love you were by far the easiest to love okay like you are you are so incredibly easy to love and it drives me crazy that you don't see how easy you are to love sometimes and i just i remind you of that constantly not because you know I don't show it to you or, you know, I don't like, you know, I don't think that you're surrounded by it, but I want you to know that so that you aren't shocked when people love you. Like, I want you to, I want you to grow out of being shocked and I'll be here as long as, you know, as long as it takes. And then there is Alyssa, my baby, my baby. She is a gift, a literal joy. She is also married to a man who I've come to think of as a big brother. I love them both so much, but Alyssa and I, we met in college and she has watched me grow and process and overthink and do too much and blame myself and share my rage and through all of it, she has loved me with the tenderness of a woman who has been well loved by her grandmother. She and I are very kindred spirits. 
she has a lot of Southern graces, such beauty in her smile and in her heart. And I could not have navigated the most difficult segment of courting Courtney without her and her husband. Let me share with you the voice note that cracked my world clean open about this one man, the same man actually from the Detroit trip last summer. (laughs) Where, you know, he kind of put you in this really funny position, like, oh, we're not going that. It's all about control and it's all about ego. Even thinking about you saying to him, well, what do you want out of this? Him not being able to understand what you were trying to say, him kind of beating around the bush wasn't about him not being able to articulate himself. By telling you what he wants, he relinquishes his power to you, or at least that's how he's viewing it. What he in turn wants, and that's probably why he was okay with having sex with you post-conversation, is for you to relinquish your power by asking him, you know, or telling him, this is what I want. Not that you would have, but that's what he was looking for. He wasn't looking, he wasn't looking to say, oh, I actually do want a relationship with you or I want to continue dating you. He wanted you to say, I want to continue dating you. I want to continue doing. Ultimately, girl, for me, just looking at the situation, it's all about power and ego. It's just like, when someone tells you who they are the first time, i.e. Detroit, you believe them. Um, and so that's what it's all about with him. And that's why you'll never get anywhere with him. It's not that he wasn't understanding you. He understood exactly what you were trying to say, but he didn't want to relinquish his, relinquish his quote unquote power. He wanted you to fall in line. He wanted you to be the one to fall for him. Alyssa, I am sitting in the Wendy's parking lot fucking screaming. I am going to save this as a voice recording. I might fuck around and drop a mixtape and have this be a three-minute track. You have no idea how I had not even considered that perspective. You know how willingly you have to just dodge the point? Like how you just have to like miss the point? If you want a bad bitch around as an accessory, I'm not the bitch. And in so many ways, I've been trying to communicate that he doesn't care. This isn't about, oh my, oh my God, girl, thank you. Thank X for me. This bitch, I am, I am revelation 10 and 20. Okay. I don't know if that's even, but I'm revelated. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) Like your mind was like, I told him, I literally said to him, I said, I think you're going to have to have a sit down with Courtney and literally explain this to her because I too, just like you just said, I did not consider this not once in the slightest. Because I think we as women, we're often like, you know, not that we give people the benefit of the doubt, but when we feel like people don't understand us, we look at it as like, we're not explaining things properly, or we're not just explaining it in a way that they understand. Now that motherfucker understands, bitch. That motherfucker knows exactly what the fuck you trying to say. Like when he said, what man high up, black man high up in corporate America doesn't understand emotional cues? I was like, bitch, he playing a game. (laughs) And then there's Dalia. Now, Dee knew me when I was dating Newton. And actually, she's known me since I was like 16. Um, And she holds one of the more interesting and special places in my heart because of the ways that we've stayed connected even when my relationship with Newton was over. Dee and I were actually in the same internship program, which my ex was also in. She is also one of the best friends to my ex's sister. 
who is now also in the close friends and who I adore deeply. One of these days we will absolutely have a conversation about like who keeps who and what's appropriate in the aftermath of a bad breakup. But baby, it's not going to be this episode. (laughs) It's not going to be this episode. I don't think we can unpack that one today. Um, But why and how Dalia holds such a special place in my heart is because of a story about a huge fight between Newton and I that I don't think I have the mental capacity to get into or ever share here. But Dalia knows how she protected and saved me in that moment. From then on, I was hers forever. Now, her insights joined the close friends around June, just as things were really starting to get good in the group, honey, okay? The official title of the close friends had moved from hashtag courting Courtney to the fucking. If that tells you like where my headspace was at, then like, let's just, let's just let that sizzle in our spirits for a brief moment, okay? So she joined in at a time where there was just like chaos and, and, and sin, going on. You know what I'm saying? And things were getting really, really fun. They were getting really, really good. And what Dee brought me was one encouragement for my shenanigans, which are always needed. But what Dalia really brought to the group aside from, you know, her, (laughs) her rooting for my shenanigans was the space to sort of continue to apply logic to emotions. Now, personally, I'm someone who has a tendency to over-intellectualize all of my feelings, and that is largely why this podcast and even the original version of The Close Friends even exists, um, is because the, all my, my most of my feelings, they live up here in my mind. Um, but Delia applied a very practical logic to my feelings, and it made them easier somehow to digest them as I was moving through the world. Um, her voice notes every single time were epiphanies for me. And I'll share a couple of those best moments here. Um, You know, but there was work that had to be done. And that's just true because here's the thing. You do not get to have all of the experiences you need ahead of marriage, essentially, as if you'd know how to handle them all. You know what I'm saying? So like... It's great that you took him to Home Goods because I think like that's something of value to you and you're seeing him in different spaces. Kudos. Um, I think that's really smart. At the same time, every scenario that you're in, just like, ugh, man, I wish I could explain this better. But essentially, there's always going to be something else that you haven't experienced yet. And so the context of that is... All relationships will require work and continuous work. Now, the real tea is if the other person is doing work and continuous work in the way that makes you both productive. Because you could be working and he could be working and it may not be leading you to the same point. Um, And I think that that's... And you're, you want your love experience to look a certain way, to feel a certain way. And I don't know that he's going to really fulfill that for you. I could picture you hosting another dinner party, which by the way, bitch, please let the people know because I'll clear my whole fucking calendar if I can to be there. Um, But anyway, I would love to see him at the dinner party. 
<laughs> uh, because that's like true test of how he'd be as a husband, supporting you, helping you, you know, greeting guests, hosting with you, like that kind of thing. I can't see him doing that well, you know, for like an extended period of time, which your dinner parties, you know, obviously could be a fucking eight hour affair, depending on how long we're chilling and when it starts and all that kind of stuff. So like, you know, I can't see him on your arm in your spaces. I can see you on his arm in his spaces doing incredibly well, but I don't know if I can see him on your arm in your spaces doing really well. I think that's that's what uh, is maybe giving me a pause. And yeah, I don't know. I don't, man, whatever. I think you're doing, like I said, I think you're doing all the right things. <laughs> Collecting data. You're giving him a second chance and that's fine. You know, whatever. Um, I do think, though that you should give him the full chance until you leave because your energy like for niggas up north you know is not necessarily going to serve you once you're gone now something that is also important to keep in mind when we're talking about d is that she is also speaking from the perspective of someone who is married um and speaks to what it is that i actually aspire to And what I always appreciate is how she tells me and shares with me that even some of the things that I'm thinking about, whether they're fun rants or, you know, just like my thoughts on whatever is going on in my dating life do spark conversation for her and her marriage. Um, And it's, it's really like a beautiful sort of relationship that we've arrived at. And I'm super grateful. But y'all, these are just like one eighth of the love and care and support and thoughtfulness that's present in the community. We'd managed to transcend the digital space and move into mutual care. I will always be grateful for the ways that my girls chose to pour into me with their voices, but there is so much more than that. The community all engages at different levels. In real life is where some of my girls thrive, and we've made a point to carve out time to connect in person over girls' nights or what my best girlfriend Perry and I call office hours. Now, let me tell you what. If I applied roster dating theory to my girlfriends, Perry is what I would call the realist in the field. We met in 2018 when we were both working at a company called HelloFresh and we fell in quickly. I couldn't have imagined when we met that our friendship would blossom the way that it did. She ended up moving just a couple months after we met a mile down the street from me. And from that point on, we were always together. We survived the pandemic together with our families out of town taco nights and date nights and cupcake deliveries and chicken and champagne dinners. We were doing life together, running errands together, cleaning the house together. I call her my wife, maybe not all that jokingly, because we were so close to that sort of partnership. Perry keeps me honest with myself about where I'm messing up or where I should be considering alternate perspectives. And I love P because she doesn't change the way that she loves for anyone, even for me, who is used to loving with such softness and a heavy pour. She loves with a cool head and a light touch. We're so different and she keeps me sharp. I make her laugh and I bring her romance. I love her to the moon and back. And if I'm being honest, leaving her was the hardest part, hands down, of moving away from New Jersey. The last night that I drove from her house, I pulled over in front of the railroad tracks and I sobbed, y'all, like sobbed, heaved, like 
I had lost a lover. Even now, it makes me emotional to think about because I'd always craved the sort of proximity that came with a friend who lived, in essence, down the street. And then I had it. And now I was the one who was changing it. Um, mm. Y'all, I said that I was not going to do any crying at the beginning of this episode. And I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep this cute because Perry's a gangster and she doesn't like this shit. She does not like this shit when I do this. Um, but, but I thank Perry for essentially being the first close friend. Uh, it was in her space or in mine, but always with her, I found the language, the language to be angry, to be sassy, to be sad, to feel hopeless, to just have nothing but jokes for hours and hours and hours. And she never judged me. She just let me be. We all need a Perry. We all need a Perry. Thank you, P. And there are still so many significant players here. My cousin Lauren, who essentially is my sister. We are three weeks apart and so much of our life experiences live in tandem with one another that at one point we'd even dated a man with the same name at the same time from across the country. <laughs> By the way, I would not recommend. Please don't ever do that. Um, Lauren is brilliant and sharp and sweet and soft and squishy, but disciplined in a way that I am just not. Her version of hard work is a reliable routine and mine is sporadic late hours and she loves me and my shit anyway. And I tell her stories that make her laugh until she cannot breathe and we've found a balance. Lauren has of course known me the longest of any of the girlies. Naturally, I don't think anybody's beating a 21 day gap. And she still listens to me at times in awe at all of my new revelations about myself, about my childhood, about my relationship to our family, which is in some significant ways different from hers. And never once has she invalidated my experiences. She asks questions for clarity and will sometimes push back with her accounting of events, but she gives me the room to think and grow and feel without holding on to the version of me that makes her comfortable. I love that. It's easy to think we know everything about someone because of the time spent, but she and I both willingly admit that we are still learning how to love each other in the new and in the now with no expectations or projections. Lauren was actually one of the first people to point out to me that the way that men experience my version of care might feel like love bombing if they have no context for me. They don't know that this is how I handle everyone I care about. And it blew my mind to hear her say that. Lauren also pointed out to me that so much of what I need in my relationships when I'm processing the big feelings is a mirror, someone who would be able to validate my emotions, even the unpleasant ones, for me to feel seen. She is always there and never judges and is here to regale in the stories of all of my shenanigans. So many shenanigans. And Lauren is my best friend. She is my anchor. I will be seeing her soon and I cannot wait to squeeze her tight and hug her butt. That's our thing. We, it's a little booty squeeze when we see each other. Um, thank you, Lauren. Now then there's Leandra and Leandra and I have the same sort of relationship dynamic that Dalia and I do. Leandra also used to be close friends with Newton and she and I, we met of course in college, but connected much more deeply later down the line in 2019 when she asked me to cater and host her 28th birthday party. She would gladly tell you how much more quickly our time spent planning bonded us. 
The foundation of our friendship, I think, is rooted in her faith in me. Leandra is a therapist. And as one could expect, she reminded me to focus on my own outcomes in dating. She frequently called me in, not out, to point out how much self-work I'd been doing so openly, so vulnerably, and to not let the more frustrating aspects of dating and relationships take my progress away from me. She reminded me always of how proud she was. There is a warmth to our love, like the ways that we hold space for each other is by sharing a blanket on the couch. She sees me trying and she loves me for my effort. She holds me to task for my overthinking and nothing is too big a thought to bring to her. Leandra is honest and quick to listen and slow to speak. She is a real one through and through. This is a woman who has been loved well and has loved hard and has lost hard too and is figuring it out gracefully. She is a warrior in prayer and a mirror when you need one. To be loved by Leandra is to be loved solidly, warmly, thoroughly, and with faith. I would also just like to take this moment to plug her counseling services, straight up counseling. The thing that I love about watching Leandra work, because obviously I cannot be a client of hers, um, is seeing how passionate she is about breaking the stigma of therapy and trying to make access to mental health care much easier. Um, I know that she does not diagnose. There are no meds. It's just like a listening ear and referrals is needed. Like straight up counseling is really, it's, it's, it's a therapy session with like someone who feels like a home girl. And I really, really love that. Um, so go ahead and check that out. Straightupcounseling.com. Just plugging that in there because that's what you should be doing with, with your friends things anyway. Um, but then y'all, there are two best guy friends in this group and we also met in college. A lot of, actually a lot of the people in my life really are, are folks that I've met in college. But um, Moses, who you'll hear me refer to from time to time, is my first best guy friend. We've known each other for 11 years. We met my freshman year or our freshman year and really just became thick as thieves. And I can call Moses for pretty much anything. And he's just there really the big brother that I've never had. And I feel like I mentioned this pretty frequently, but I am very much an only child in case anybody had any questions about that. And I have always sort of craved like that big brotherly presence, that, that protection sort of space or somebody to like put me on game about things or just give me an honest opinion about what's going on in my life from a different perspective. And there's a sensitivity to my relationship with Moses because he is very like, like gentle with me. Um, but I still feel like one of the bros when we were together and it's so much fun. I really love our relationship and Moses continues to hold space for me as I'm growing and changing and like moving through the world. Um, and he never makes me feel stupid for the things that I don't know. And it's nice and it's, and it's really nice. And we can sit in the car and we can like freestyle together and like smoke a spliff and like have a great time. And it's all just very, very pleasant. Um, and I appreciate that. I like never having to question like who people are in my life and he is hands down one of them and he's been so solid for so many years and it, it it's just, it's nice. It's nice. Maintaining that relationship with him is a non-negotiable as I move through my other relationships moving forward like through life and I do not intend to give this one up and I, anybody else's insecurities about it be damned. But then there's also Benny. Now, Benny is like a really, it's kind of a funny story because he and Newton used to be best friends and roommates. 
Now, um, Benny and I didn't meet until I think my sophomore year when he was, I think going into his senior year, I think Benny was two years ahead of me, like my ex was. And Benny and I have the same sense of humor. Really, we're both dads in sense of humor, but he is like a dad dad because like now he has three children. <laughs> and our relationship started off with just like crazy jokes. Like we'd be rolling on the floor because we had that dad sense of humor in common. And Newton, I don't think ever really understood it, but it was the thing that like we bonded over. And when that relationship with Newton was over, I was, even though very sad about it, I think mentally prepared to let that relationship go, knowing that like loyalties um, were very much like a real thing and something that I never wanted to make it feel like we're being called into question. Um, I never wanted it to feel like it was being called into question, right? Um, The funny thing is though, when uh, Benny and his beautiful wife, who is also like a gift, and his beautiful wife, Nanji and him got married and, and they had their, their first, their little bean. Um, my ex was the godfather. Now he is no longer the godfather of any of their now three children. I, however, am, am so grateful to still be like involved very heavily in their lives. Um, and you know, I kind of act as like a godmother and like auntie Coco and it's really a vibe over here. Now what Benny and his wife, Nanji taught me was the value of village and that you could go beyond community into family and family can also be a choice that you make. And it's really beautiful to be able to show up for them in the ways that they've been able to show up for me too. Um, and I'm so grateful. Now, there are at least another 30 close friends. And this would make a two-hour episode if I went in depth with each of them. So I'm not going to do that. But at the end of this video, I will credit them on screen because they are so much a part of this journey. As much of the journey, really, as I have been. And my love for these beautiful people knows no bounds. I especially want to thank Bianca, Nichelle, Sadani, Lara, Kelly, Vivian, and Michelle other Michelle, India, Gabby, Tiffany, Will, and Jacques. Thank you for the voice notes and encouraging text messages and for your opinions. Thank you for letting me into your world and thank you for being in mine. I love you beyond articulation. Now I imagine that someone will likely ask me if they do so much for me, what on earth do I do for them? The question of reciprocity spins the block daily on the internet and in many cases, annoyingly and other times I do understand why. But it is not my place, I think, to conjecture on how I make them feel loved, what soft, gooey, toll house cookie feelings I give them. But I have so many messages from the close friends about the clarity and the light that this journey has given them. The way that my openness has given them language or sparked introspection or served as a conversation starter in their relationships. If that were my only measure of success in the last year, then I have met my goals. I would feel a little cringe sharing those screenshots though on the internet as some sort of proof, but please know that they do exist and they exist in spades. <sighs> All right, y'all. So before I get to crying, let's get into the spread. So if I thought anybody would actually be interested in me recreating my very well-known post-date McDonald's French fries, I would share that recipe during this segment, but I don't think y'all care about that. And brunch is my culinary love language anyway. And because so many of my girlfriends have stayed over for breakfast, I want to share my favorite mid-morning go-to. It's this like, mm, 
she's so good. It's a burrata and basil breakfast pizza. I love this recipe because it's hella customizable. You can switch up the sauce, even though I tend to go for like a light smear of something red. And it's decked out with warm gooey burrata, fresh basil, cracked eggs, crushed red pepper, and sometimes I'll throw like leftover flaked salmon on top or torn Italian sausage or like crumbles of bacon. If I'm feeling really bougie, I'll do a little bit of like buttered lump crab, you know what I'm saying? And it's the sort of breakfast that feels light, but it is filling and it can be loaded with whatever you like. And of course, because all is paired in love and forks, y'all know the drill, um, for the wine pairing for this, because we're kind of keeping it like that cute brunch vibe, I would go for a dry Prosecco because as we know, Prosecco is a fruit bomb. Well, maybe you didn't know that. Well, if you didn't know, now you know, Prosecco is a fruit bomb and like champagne tends to be a little bit more like almondy and like a little more like honeyed and vanilla notes. Um, but Prosecco generally has like notes of peach or apple or pear or like melon, sometimes cream. And it's got these really intense florals in the aroma. Personally, I can't fathom a better fit for this breakfast pizza than that. And of course, all of the recipes and the visuals are over on CourtneyFutch.com. Now our song pairing, because you know, every good meal needs a backdrop. You know what I'm saying? It's early in the morning. It's not early in the morning right now, but like, imagine it's like two in the afternoon. You're sort of vibing, you're chilling a little bit, and maybe you want to like ease into a vibe. I love this song. It's a little bit somber, but it's Paper Thin by Leon Lahavas. And I've loved Leon Lahavas since 2012. Which like one of these days we're also gonna have to talk about the reckoning of realizing that like I loved a thing for like 10 years and like how that makes me feel old. Um, but 2012, she dropped her first project, which is, is your love big enough? A banger of a project. Okay. Her raspy voice feels like coming home to a lover after a long day when there's a pre-roll waiting for you. But this song itself dropped in 2020 and it was like my reckoning song. It's about ego and identity and being fragile after being mishandled. My girls show up for me the way that Leon's voice does on this track. It's comforting and it's hopeful and it's encouraging in the times when I was ready to give up. And of course you can find this song and so many other curated jammy jams over on the all is paired playlist on Spotify and on Apple music. And that is the official playlist for all of the jams that you will hear over here. So go ahead. They're also like going to be linked down in the description below. All right, y'all. So we're just around the river bend on this one. We've got one final segment. And of course that is just the tip. Now I have been loved so well for so long that when I look back on my love history, it's no wonder why I'm a lover girl through and through. The distinction between platonic love and romantic love here is, is a thin one. And I know that if the sort of love I am privileged to receive from friends exists, then the space that it can hold for romantic love cannot be too far behind. I am grateful for the community who sees me and holds me close. I can never, ever, ever take that for granted. Not only have I refined and reforged and, you know, reevaluated friendships that have been a part of my life from literal like birth, like Lauren, or friends who I made later down the line in college and friends as recently as 2018 with Perry at HelloFresh. I've also been making some internet friends, friends who started out via Instagram. And I think one of the questions that I get asked a lot more recently is how I'm making these sorts of friends as an adult. 
I spent some time noodling on it and I've arrived at these little themes and I wouldn't be me if I didn't call them like the three E's or something. So here are my three E's. Thing number one is encouragement. My friendship with at least five of the people that I've met in the last year has bloomed under the tutelage of thoughtful compliments and vulnerable outreach. I comment on the things going on in their life and I extend myself out to them when things are maybe not so great. Uh, Even if it's just for a silent phone call. Number two, engagement. I invite them into non-committal spaces like brunch or girls night and I take the initiative to let my guard down first. Now naturally this is very easy for me because of my tendency to want to overshare. For those of you who are just listening on the audio, I am staring directly into the camera like I am on The Office. I am an oversharer. I think we all know this by now. Um, But I let my guard down first. And sometimes that looks like sending small gifts and or cocktail money when they're celebrating something. I listen to their podcast episodes and I watch their videos and I reshare their content and I engage. I want them to know that I see them and that I support them and that could look financial or just with my time. And number three, and I I think maybe the most important when we're talking about building friendships in like our adult years is emotion. It's very important that you're checking in with yourself to see what feelings are coming up for you when you think about hanging out with this person. What's your emotional state when you're connected to them? Are you feeling drained? Do you feel some sense of calm or excitement? Take some inventory and then act accordingly. And I feel like this is really important for so many reasons. If you see somebody that you've met as like a turn up friend, find activities that are going to align with those mutual values. If it's an in the house, chill sort of friend, maybe start with like a paint and sip or a low key happy hour to get a feel for the vibe before hanging out in your home solo. But gauge what emotional fit this person may bring to you. Not every friendship is all purpose, like flower. What remains true for me, though, I think, is that friendship is very clearly a vulnerable work, but it is the work that we should all be doing to build community, romantic and platonic. All right, y'all. So that concludes episode number five of With Love and Butter. Can you believe it? We're already like, we're making like, pew, 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 like really great progress. Look at us go. Come on now, period. Um, Join me on next episode where we'll be talking about a dating situation with a man who TikTok came to know as the favorite and how he broke my heart and how I broke my own damn heart and what feelings are coming up for me now. Keep it close, babies. Catch you on the next episode and subscribe if you haven't already. Ain't no point in being here for this damn long and you, and you ain't messed around and, and subscribed. You better subscribe to this episode. Thank you so much. Bye.